literally no sooner, no sooner did I post my thoughts on how Apple could just scale M1 all the way to the top of the line Mac Pro than Bloomberg's own Mark Gurman started dropping massive leak bombs about how Apple plans to do, well, exactly that. And of course, why not? It's still 2020 after all, the Intel die shrink of years. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, to look through it all yet, but I figured why not just do that now with you, just all of my analysis live to camera and do it right now. Sponsored by Ting. Real quick, YouTube tells me 70% of you watching this video still haven't subscribed. So go ahead and hit that button and bell so you don't miss just any of what's coming your way next. Okay, first up, Apple Incorporated is planning a series of new Mac processors for introduction as early as 2021 that are aimed at outperforming Intel Corp's fastest. And I mean, no surprise there, back when Tim Cook first announced Apple Silicon and handed off to Senior Vice President of Hardware Technologies, Johnny Saruji, to talk all about it, one of the first things Johnny said was that Apple was planning a family of SOCs, which just means several variants of the system on a chip that Apple has been using since the A4 in the iPhone 10, now scaled all the way up to the A14 and M1 in the latest generation iPhones, iPads, and now the Mac as well. And Tim Cook also said the transition is going to happen over the next two years, and that was back in June. So they have approximately until June of 2022. So a lot of this is going to have to happen next year. And as for outperforming Intel's latest, uh, if Intel's latest performed well, uh, maybe Apple wouldn't be doing this transition now. Chip engineers at the Cupertino, California-based technology giant are working on several successors to the M1 custom chip, Apple's first Mac main processor that debuted in November. And this part is interesting because, again, when Johnny announced a family of SOCs, uh, to me, that sort of meant what Apple's been doing with the iPhone and iPad Pro chips, which is, you know, A12, A12X, A12Z. And successor to me is more like A13, A14. So when I think about M1, the first Mac Apple Silicon that went into the MacBook Air, the Mac Mini, and the entry-level MacBook Pro, that to me is the beginning of this generation. And a successor would be an M2, something that would go into the following generation of, of Apple Silicon that would be using the Silicon IP the intellectual property, the next generation stuff that would also go into an A15 in an iPhone 13, that sort of thing. And what I, I currently see as the strategy for Apple Silicon scaling up is that same process generation, that same equivalent of an A12, A12X, A12Z. In other words, an M1, M1X, M1, I don't know, T, whatever naming scheme Apple uses as they scale out these chips. So if Mark means literal successor, that could be even more interesting because it could mean that depending on the timing, some of these chips as A15 starts rolling out towards September of 2021 might skip right on to that IP generation and just sort of reap all the benefits that come with it. The company's next series of chips planned for release as early as the spring and later in the fall are destined to be placed across upgraded versions of the MacBook Pro, both entry-level and high-end iMac desktops, and later a new Mac Pro workstation. And this, yeah, this is where it starts to get really interesting for me because anything that's announced in the spring or summer I expect to be on the M1 generation, which is the A14 generation. If you just look at everything like 
the CPU cores, iStorm and Firestorm, and the GPU cores, just all the IP is A14 generation IP. M1 is is the exact same thing. So anything that comes out this spring would be using that. So for example, a MacBook Pro would be using M1, again, M1X or whatever Apple decides to call it. But as we get towards the fall and Apple starts releasing the A15 generation, uh, the higher end Macs could certainly take advantage of that, getting a boost not just from scaling up the cores, but continuing to build out the architecture. But that also raises questions, to me at least, of just how much in lockstep Mac silicon will be with iPhone silicon because for the last 10 years, Apple has updated the A-series just every year. Every year there's been a new iPhone, there's been a new A-series processor to go in it. So we went from A4 in 2010 now to A14 in 2020. And that hasn't been the case with the variants that we've seen in the iPad Pro, for example, we're still on A12Z. Uh, there was never an A13X, and we're still waiting on A14X. And iPad Pro, since it's been introduced in 2015, has been updated like every every 18 months, not every year. So how Apple sort of parallelizes the IP generation, they're probably going to continue doing year-over-year updates for the iPhone. So we'll get A15, A16, A17. But will they be doing yearly updates for the Mac as well? Will we get M1, M2, M3 year after year after year, like with the A-series processors? And will every Mac get those? Or will the entry level you know, stick on M1, which is based on A14, while the higher ends are getting... M2 based on A15, something like that. And then they're in stagger step, not you know every 18 months, but not the same 18 months for all of them. And that just boggles my brain. So we're gonna have to wait and see how Apple handles that. For its next generation chip targeting MacBook Pro and iMac models, Apple is working on designs with as many as 16 power cores and four efficiency cores. So the current design for M1 is four of those iStorm efficiency cores and four of those Firestorm performance cores, but outside just the improvements you get generationally and with frequency, you can, as Intel and AMD have shown over the last few years, really throw cores at these sorts of problems. That doesn't change your single core performance. And Apple already has, you know, best in class single core performance rivaled only by the latest, greatest, most current generation AMD processors, but just building out on that multi-core can help with a lot of the heavier workloads, the kind of workloads that you'd see on a higher-end MacBook Pro, iMac, and certainly a Mac Pro. So going from the four performance cores you have now in the M1 to eight cores, 12 cores, 16 cores, you just start to stack just all of that multi-core performance over and over and over again. While that component is in development, Apple could choose to first release variations with only 8 or 12 of the high-performance cores enabled, depending on production. And this is probably binning. So, for example, you can get a 7-GPU or 8-GPU core version of the MacBook Air. And famously, when the previous iPad Pro launched, it had a 7-core version of the A12X, and then that went to 8 cores with the A12Z. And that's just because when you have processors come out with all of these cores, there can be issues with the yields, and that means there can be defects on the chipsets that come out. And if, for example, one of the GPU cores is just non-functional, if you're insisting on 8 cores, for the M1 and a bunch of them have seven cores, your choice is to throw those away and that greatly reduces the yield and increases the expense of producing those chips. But 
if you instead choose to sell the seven core versions, I mean, you're still throwing away six core and five core and four core, whatever, you'll completely trash chips. You're still throwing those away. But if you choose to sell the ones that only have one core non-functional as a seven core version, which is exactly what Apple's doing, then you increase your yield and decrease your cost just by all of those chips. So if Apple is producing, for example, here, 16 core versions, and one or more, or in this case, four of those cores, and it could be a different core on each of those chips, has a defect, is non-functional, wouldn't otherwise be usable. If you instead just decrease your target to 12 cores, that gives you a buffer, increases your yield, again, reduces costs. Or if you sell them at scale, for example, these are the ones with 12 cores, these are the ones with 14 cores, these are the ones with 16 cores, and the cost, of course, ramps up with all the functional cores, and you're bidding based on the functionality, the number of cores that are functional, that allows for those much higher yield, much lower cost production runs. And that's actually a really interesting way for Apple to do not quite classic marketing segmentation, but just to introduce perhaps lower cost versions of some of these machines. For higher end desktop computers planned for later in 2021 and a new half-sized Mac Pro planned to launch in 2022, Apple is testing a chip design with as many as 32 high performance cores. So yeah, pretty much just take M1 and take that original graph that Johnny Saruji put up uh, during his introduction of M1 and just take it from that 10 watt four performance core part, the M1, and continue up that graph towards uh, you know the top. So as immediately impressive as M1 was on that you know 10 to 15 watt power scale, we already start imagining what the MacBook Pro will be like at you know 30, 35 watts. Never mind when you start getting into the high 90 watts, you know, if Apple even ever needs to go there. In terms of graphic cores, Mark says, Apple engineers are also developing more ambitious graphics processors. Today's M1 processors are offered with a custom Apple graphics engine that comes with either seven or eight core variations. For its future high-end laptops and mid-range desktops, Apple is testing 16 core and 32 graphics parts. And that's just exactly the same, the graphics cores as the performance cores we were just talking about. Apple is scaling out performance by literally scaling out the number of cores. And when you talk about graphics cards, I think the latest from AMD and NVIDIA are like 200, 300 plus watts, and they have fans on them. I said before, like the helicarrier from the Avengers movies, just massive, massive cooling systems. So if we look at what Apple's managed to do with M1 graphical performance just on that single system on a chip with those eight cores, and we extrapolate that to 16, 32 more cores, uh, it starts to get really impressive considering the performance they're posting now in some ways is analogous to just a couple generations ago in terms of AMD and NVIDIA performance. And if the scaling holds, just doubling and redoubling could get them to last generation, this generation, next generation, next, next generation. There's so many factors that we don't know and there's so many other components to it, of course. For example, this generation of NVIDIA and AMD, especially NVIDIA, is focused heavily on ray tracing uh, for gaming engines. And that just might be something Apple's not really considering at all, at least not right now. But also, you perpetually hear that by Apple only offering AMD discrete GPUs to date, people who want NVIDIA card compatibility, namely those big CUDA cores, are just nonplussed at all. And Apple certainly won't be offering CUDA cores anytime soon either. So again, 
performance is one thing, but the specificity to the task required, wanted, needed is something else entirely. For later in 2021 or potentially 2022, Apple is working on pricier graphics updates with 64 and 128 dedicated cores aimed at its highest end machines. Those graphics chips would be several times faster than the current graphics modules Apple uses from NVIDIA and AMD in its Intel-powered hardware. And I'm guessing Mark means NVIDIA in the past because Apple has not been on good terms or not wanted to use or not been able to use NVIDIA graphics in the Macintosh line for quite a while already, several years already. And also, it would be especially interesting to see if Apple does really stick with this family of SOCs architecture where the package just continues to contain all the CPU cores and all the GPU cores, no matter how massively they scale upwards. And the GPU especially is never broken out off package into anything like a discrete GPU or something like the modular MPX architecture that Apple announced with the previous Intel Mac Pro. And just to see how the benefits of that SOC, everything including unified memory, continues to scale out when those numbers of cores reach ludicrous levels. But either way, when you start getting those massive numbers of CPU and GPU cores, I just start saving early. And with things like your cell phone bill, because whether you want only a little data or just all the data, unlimited data, Ting has the perfect plan for you and for your family where you can get talk and text for just like 10 bucks a month, data from 15 bucks, five gigabytes for 25, unlimited from 45, whatever you need. Just go to renee.ting.com, check out the plans and see how much you could save because you get access to just the best nationwide coverage in America on pretty much any phone from the latest iPhone 12 to all the Google Pixels to the Galaxy flips and folds. And you can keep your existing phone, keep your existing number if you want to as well. And that's all because the next generation of Ting Mobile is here. And seriously, to see how much you could save and get $25 off, just go to renee.ting.com or click on the link below, renee.ting.com and get $25 off. And clicking on that link just really helps out the channel. For a ton more on Apple Silicon and just all the Apple Silicon Macs to come, click the playlist above. I've got in-depth reviews, comparisons, analysis, all of it. Click on the playlist above and I'll see you next video.